College can be expensive, but saving now can help your students save later. Give your child's college savings a boost by registering for a chance at one of 25 $1,000 savings plan deposits for 6th through 12th graders. Sign up today at iowastudentloan.org slash register. Look for the Save Now, Save Later giveaway under the scholarships page. Log on and register today. That's iowastudentloan.org. Valdez is with us, former Christie administration official. You worked for Chris Christie, you've been in politics, done a lot of public service stuff. Rich Valdez, columnist now with the Washington Times. This is America. Richie V, you're on the air with the nation. The nation. This is America. With your host, Rich Valdez. What's up, America? I am Rich Valdez. Valdez with an S, your liberty-loving Latino amigo right here, 17 blocks away from Madison Square Garden, New York City, at Rich Valdez on all the social media, at Rich Valdez. Please tag me uh, with your comments and reactions to the program, and welcome to the show. Man, so it was a very gay evening at the Academy Awards, the annual Oscars celebration last night in Hollywood. And, well, not for everybody exactly, because somebody got smacked in the face. But the threesome of women of the hosts who took a moment to sing their gayness was not lost on anybody. I want you to listen to this. We're going to have a great night uh, tonight. And for you people in Florida, we're going to have a gay night. Gay, gay, gay. Okay. Now that was the uh, the three hosts, Wanda Sykes, I think it's Amy Schumer and somebody else who I'm not recognizing. I probably should have been more prepared for that. But the bottom line here is they um they were taking a jab at Governor DeSantis because he says that he wants to protect little kids from kindergarten through third grade or pre-K through third grade from having any sexual conversations and discussions in the public school classroom. And the media turned around and said that was the don't say gay bill. And we talked about that a few episodes ago. Part of the title of that show was don't say DeSantis. If you want to check it out, it was like three or four shows ago. But what I want to talk about is when things got sour, when they took a little bit of a dip to the south because it went down. Now, some people are saying it was uh, fake. It was phony. It was fraud. It was staged. But I don't believe that. Uh, From looking at this, from my expert opinion as a professional broadcaster, I can tell you sometimes things happen. It could be somebody barges into your studio while you're on the air and they're like, oh, snap, my bad. Or, you know, you can spill something, although you should never have any food inside your studio or water for that matter. But, you know, something might happen where somebody else left the drink and, you know, something goes wrong and you're on the air and you got to manage your affect. And that's what I saw on Chris Rock's face. Obviously, we're talking about the story that's going all over the place. Will Smith, the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, and Chris Rock. Here's the audio. (laughs) (laughs) Boom. There it was. That little uh, mic tap sound that you heard sounded like this. That was Will Smith's hand going across Chris Rock's face. Now, I'm going to play it again. I want you to hear it. This is pretty crazy to me. (laughs) (laughs) Wow! Will Smith just smacked the shit out of me. Will Smith did not get out of my mouth. Wow, dude! 
It was a G.I. Jane joke. G.I. Jane のジョークだったんです。I'm going to, okay?You can tell he doesn't know where to go from here.He's looking left, he's looking right. テレビ史上最高の場面でしょうか So we are here to、uh, give a documentary out, to give an Oscar out. Now, that recovery right there, that was as real as it gets. People saying it was staged, I don't think so. Unless he had prepared lines, and like WWE, perhaps maybe you know, they had rehearsed this and it went smooth, and then all of a sudden it didn't go smooth when it really happened. But Will Smith also, to me, looked genuinely mad. And my thinking here is he got mad. He didn't like the joke, or maybe he liked the joke. I mean, because there's some video where you see him kind of laughing a little bit, he's kind of smirking, but it seems like his wife definitely didn't like the show, the joke, excuse me. So here's where I come down on this because I think, shoot, I've done stuff like this going to Dairy Queen and fighting over a parking spot. So I, I don't think it's a huge deal to get in somebody's face. I really don't. And forgive me if you, know, if you disagree, Rich, you're promoting violence. I don't think I'm promoting it. I am saying there's a,、uh, I accept it to a degree. You know, it's kind of like, Showering. I, I don't like getting dirty, but I get dirty throughout the day. So I have to take a shower every day, sometimes two in the summertime. So clearly, it's not something I want to do, not something I endorse, but something that just happens. And I think this is, in a way, very、uh, John Wayne esque, if you will. Now, I know some of you are thinking John Wayne didn't go smack anybody at the Oscars. No, but he was a man's man. He was a tough guy. And I think Will Smith put on his John Wayne pants, and Chris Rock, I think, handled it. Wonderfully. He absolutely was a consummate professional. Now, what Will Smith did was wrong. That's not the way you respond to things like that. But I do give him a pass because you know what? I'm a hothead too, and I could see myself doing something similar. I was married for almost a decade, and I never had a situation like that. But I, I can tell you with my kids, I lose my temper very quickly. Uh, I, even with just people in general, in conversation, sometimes I lose my temper quickly. So, I gotta say, I don't, it's not totally out of hand to me. And the reason why, not everybody is a diplomat. You know, so they, oh, but use your words, don't use violence. Guess what? Some people only understand violence. Sometimes you get so angry, you don't have words. And you just say, you know what? I know the universal language of hand across the face. And you're gonna always remember that makes me feel this kind of way. Toma, right? Una bofeta. Uh, a, a big smack across the face. Again, maybe it's my upbringing. Maybe it's not. I don't know. But I think that's just how things go sometimes. Lamentably, we're not all pacifistic. We're not all experts in negotiation. And if you look, that's what's happening right now in Europe. And we're going to talk about what's happening in Europe in the next segment a little bit with the Russian soldiers that are, there's reports coming out now that they're being shot in the testicles. Now, the pro Putin patriots are saying, oh my gosh, these guys are committing war crimes. And they probably are. I guess it is a crime to shoot somebody in the testicles. But I have to say, would you be getting shot in the testicles if you were in Russia? No. If you were in your own country, you wouldn't be getting shot. Get the heck out of Ukraine. But we'll get to that in a minute. Before I get into that, I want to talk about this comedian because I think he kind of sums up exactly what I'm thinking about of having that kind of rough upbringing that one might have had. Listen to this. White kids are just as shocked to find out black kids don't talk back to their parents as we are when we hear them talk back to theirs. So I used to have a little buddy would come over my house on the weekends, little Nate. We'd be in my room playing video games. My mother used to come in the room on us, cuss me out for no reason. We'd be in the room playing Mario Brothers. She'd come kick open the door like SWAT. Harry, how many times I done told you to clean this motherfucking room? Cut that 
game off to clean this room. I come back, this room ain't clean. I'ma take that Nintendo cord, wrap it around your neck, and stick it in your ass. I ain't playing with you. This ain't no threat. This a promise. Try me, mother. My white friend would turn to me offended, like, dude, what the? She can't do that, man. This is your space. This is your area. She's violating your right to privacy. You should say something. You want me to go say something? I'd be so scared. I start talking to him like a slave from Roots. Like, he's gonna get me in trouble. Mm -hmm. My mother smacked the shit out of the white boy. He turned into me. Where in the world? That's Aries Spears, comedian, giving his thoughts on his upbringing and how sometimes the chancleta, the flying flip-flop. I think uh, Eddie Murphy talked about that years ago. But the point is, you get smacked around a little bit as a kid. I think you grow up and you think, you know what? It worked for me. When I, when I got out of line, they smacked me. You get out of line, I'm smacking you. And that's the point that I want to make. But the fact that he brought race into it, I thought was interesting because as I was listening to the radio this morning, and again, I skimmed through the channels. I hear lots of things. Somebody was making a comparison saying that, well, you know, would he have done it if it were a white comedian? Or is it because we're so pre-programmed to seeing black-on-black -black crime that nobody cared or that the police decided not to press charges or somebody showed a, a picture of Will Smith dancing afterwards and I thought, man, I'd be dancing too if I won an Oscar. <laughs> what do you want me to do, go home and cry? I just think the whole thing is being blown out of proportion. That's how life is sometimes. Sometimes you mess around and you will get smacked. I don't know, man, call me crazy, but I do believe that works that way. I see these videos all the time. This just happened to be two famous people doing it. Now, somebody was trying to say, you know, we got to hold him to a higher standard. He's got to be more uh, professional. I agree. I don't think you should be at your industry expo, the Oscars, if you're an actor which he is, you can't be at the Oscars and going smacking people in the face and then having to give that apology that he gave. But he did give an apology, and I want you to hear it. Listen to this. Um, I want to apologize to the Academy. I want to apologize to my, all my fellow nominees. Um, This is a beautiful moment, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not crying for winning a, an award. It's not, it's not about winning an award for me. It's about being able to shine light on all of the people, Tim and, and Trevor and Zach and Sanaya and Demi and Ingenue and the entire cast and crew of King Richard and Venus and Serena, the, the entire Williams family. Um, art imitates life. I look like the crazy father, just like they said. <laughs> I look like crazy father, just like they said about Richard Williams. Um, but love will make you do crazy things. So love will make you do crazy things. I tend to agree with that. I'm not um, excusing it. I, I will excuse in some degree the simple assault charge. And I always think about this. You know, if you get into a fight over a parking spot, guy shoves you, you mush him in the face, you smack him across the face, you call him the B word. And, and you know, he doesn't want to fight. He doesn't want to, you know, box you in the middle of the street. What, what ends up happening there? Right. Did you commit a crime? I guess I suppose you did. Are you going to get in trouble for it, if, especially if you had no priors or anything like that? What's going to happen? Well, imagine that happening in New York. There are people shooting people, people getting people at gunpoint and robbing them, people throwing cops into the subway, and they're getting released immediately. They barely get charged. So you tell me what's going to happen in a situation like that.
I don't know. I'm not saying that we should take advantage of the situation, but I'm just saying these, these are choices that you have to make on the fly. And he made that choice. And I think it was probably the wrong one to go uninvited up on that stage. But guess what? He'll go down in history as the guy that remember that time somebody made a joke about his wife. He smacked the taste out of that guy's mouth. And I think equally, if not even more so, Chris Rock, I'm not faulting him. I thought it was a fair joke. I think he overreacted. He took it the wrong way. He should probably work on his feelings. Chris Rock was an absolute professional. Got smacked, kept going, didn't stop his hosting gig, didn't tear his mic off and start brawling. That's how you do it, my friend. That is how you do it. So, yeah, do I think um, Will Smith deserves the song? Yes, I do. So let's play the song for him. Yeah, that's right. He gets it. He gets the MC Hammer. Because, and again, it's because I think he, he did the wrong thing. Now, again, am I saying that uh, it was the end of the world? Uh, no, I'm not going to pile on Will Smith. Again, I said there's a good part of it that may have done something similar. But he gets that one for today. Now, straight ahead, we're going to get to a little bit more on that stuff. Um, but more so, what's going on with Trump, what he had to say at the rally, plus, we're going to have a former associate commissioner of the FDA to find out what's going on with this lockdown. No, no, not here. There's a lockdown happening in Shanghai. So I want to talk about that because we thought they were out of the woods and it doesn't look that way. Plus, a little bit on some other topics straight ahead. So don't move a muscle. Keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. Right now, Amazon is offering some amazing extra perks that come with a job offer. If you start a warehouse job, you can get a $1,000 sign-on bonus. That means you start earning a paycheck right away, plus you get extra cash to use before the holidays. Applying is so easy, you don't even need an interview. It's never been so rewarding to start an hourly job that's close to home. So what are you waiting for? To join the team today, visit Amazon.com slash sign-on bonus. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. This is America. When they take your shirt off, you drive a lady's crazy. When they take your shirt off, make me want to be a lady. It's the Putin girls. Putin hates the Putin girls. Because he hates vulgarity. He loves his mother country. And he loves his family. He and his ex-wife with Miller ride along the shore of the beautiful new Russian Black Sea. <laughs> All right, that's the Putin song. You may have seen that on YouTube. And uh, 
The pro-Putin patriots are back at it. They're all over the place. And I'm not going to get into that. We've done that enough. I do it all day long, honestly, with people that are very close to me. But what I do want to talk about is Joe Biden, because Joe Biden now says that Putin has to go. We've got to get him out of power. He's got to get out of power. The White House went into frenzy mode saying, no, 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 that's not what he meant. What he meant was that, you know, somebody from Russia should take him out. We're not saying that we should do a regime, a regime change. We're not saying that we should take him out. But Putin, Putin, Putin. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Here's what Joe Biden had to say today because he's doubling down. He's saying, no, 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 it wasn't me. It wasn't me. I didn't say that. Here's exactly what I said. Listen to the question from the White House press gaggle. Do you believe what you said, that Putin can't remain in power? Or do you now regret saying that because your government has been trying to walk that back? Did your words complicate matters? Well, yes, three different questions. I'll answer them all. Number one, I'm not walking anything back. The fact of the matter is I was expressing the more outrage I felt toward the way Putin is dealing and the actions of this man, just just brutality of half the children in Ukraine. I just come from being with those families. And uh, and so uh, but I want to make it clear I wasn't then nor am I now articulating a policy change. I was expressing the more outrage that I feel and I make no apologies for it. My personal feelings. Secondly, you asked me about, uh, well, what was the second part? Complicate the diplomacy of this moment. No, I don't think it does. You know, uh, the. uh, uh, Okay, while he's figuring that out, there is no diplomacy of this moment. He doesn't know what's happening in many instances. So he says stuff. He forgets stuff. He clarifies what he's saying. They do the damage control. But what diplomacy are we talking about? He says, you better not do this. I'll do sanctions. You better not do that. I'll do sanctions. You better, you better, you better not. And Putin just says, no, 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 because of the biolabs. I'm coming in. Oh, no, 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 because the ninth century Russian empire. No, 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 because the Russian Federation is the best. No, no, no. I'm fighting for Christianity. No, no, no. I'm saving democracy. No, no, no. You don't get it. No matter what, I'm going in. They're Nazis. (laughs) I mean, he just doesn't run out of stories. It's not like there are warlords, uh, warlords that are running all sorts of countries in this uh, globe of ours. And people aren't just necessarily going in there saying, oh, I'm going to de-Nazify or de-warlord you. Of course not. Because Putin has a very clear agenda and it's spelled out clear as day in his 5,000 word, uh, many, many pages that he's written about this stuff. And it's on uh, the Kremlin website. So anyway, I want you to check that out. But Joe El Baboso Biden. He, he continues. The fact is that we're in a situation where uh, um, what complicates the situation at the moment is the uh, the escalatory efforts of Putin to uh, continue and engage in carnage, the kind of behavior that uh, that makes the whole world say, my God, what is this man doing? That's what complicates things a great deal. And uh, um, but I, I don't think it complicates it at all. It doesn't complicate it at all because nobody's listening to begin with. And that's why it doesn't complicate it at all. But what may get complicated for a few people is the lawsuit that President Trump filed. He announced this uh, just at the end of last week, and he talked about it at his rally this weekend. And I want you to hear a little bit from President Trump because it's our favorite villainous Hillary Rotten Clinton. That's right. He's going after her in civil court. I'm suing for millions of dollars in damages against crooked Hillary Clinton, James Comey, Andrew McKay. (laughs) 
The two lovers, remember the lovers, Peter Strzok and Lisa Page. And they're going around suing everybody. They used the FBI's web. That was not a good idea. They used the FBI servers. We're suing this guy, Christopher Steele, for writing a fake. Guy got a fortune. He got more money than James Patterson, the number one author, gets for a book. (laughs) I thought that was pretty funny. And and again, the goal here, and we'll go back to the audio. I just wanted to jump in to say the goal here is to try and get them to a deposition and get some discovery and then use that the way they did in the um, Bill Clinton trial to say, you know what, Bill Clinton, you lied under oath in your deposition for a totally separate thing, and we're going to use that as the basis for your impeachment. Now, the problem is, I I don't know if they're going to do this type of impeachment trap for Biden, but there's so many things they can impeach him on. All they need is McCarthy or whomever is going to be speaker to pull the trigger on something like that should they win. But let's go back to Trump, because he also hinted that he might... uh, run in 24. And this is probably the most pointed one yet, but we'll play that right after this. Christopher Steele, a lightweight jerk, fusion GPS, the Democratic National Committee, another beauty, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, how about her? Jake Sullivan, who's telling us all there is to know about Ukraine, how's he doing? DNC law firm Perkins Coie, Democrat lawyers Michael Sussman, Mark Elias, and many, many more. And it's a big case. Let me give you the bad news. This could only happen to me. This could only happen to me. Should I give you the bad news? We filed this great case. We've got a judge who was appointed by Bill and Hillary Clinton. How do you think that's going to go? This can only happen to me. Oh, Donaldus Magnus El Trompito, the 45th president of these United States, El Presidente. And he also hinted at having to do this again in 2024. Let me know what you think of this. The truth is, I ran twice, I won twice, and I did much better the second time. And now, we just may have to do it again. President Trump in Georgia. And he was on the trail for Herschel Walker for himself to to beat up on Brian Kemp, the governor of Georgia, because Trump is out there and he's bringing it. And this is what I'm talking about. Uh, right now, he's doing it for his PAC, the Save America PAC. And, of course, you can't have a PAC coordinating with a campaign. So once there's a campaign, he can't raise money like this, uh, unlimited money, for the PAC. And the way, that's the way you want to do it is raise unlimited money for the PAC so they could spend money without limit on ads and doing what they do with the rallies, et cetera, and then go into the uh, campaign where you're somewhat more uh, limited. But anyway. That's El Trompito Donaldus Magnus, the 45th president of these United States, El Presidente. And I, I agree that he, I think he should run, although there's some people that have serious reservations about that. Maybe I can get one of them on one of these days and we could talk it out. 
because a lot of people are like, look, he was great, he was this, but what they did last time, they're going to do it again. He's never going to win. They hate his guts. We need somebody who's a little bit more palatable, who's not as whatever, and I think that's exactly why he was effective because he's in your face like a can of mace. But maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. You let me know. At Rich Valdez, at Rich Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez. Now, Joe Biden's got some really horrible numbers out there. He's uh, doing very, very poorly in his approval ratings. He's doing miserably on the economy, miserably with inflation, miserably with gas prices, and, of course, miserably with the war in Ukraine. And, of course, Russia is stepping up their, uh, their rhetoric and their claims. Now they're saying the Russian head of their space force says that the United States is planning a genocide against Russia. And this fits right in line with everybody who's trying to get Americans to hate America, right? You bring down America by poisoning the brains of the Americans, getting them to hate America. You know, oh, it's the globalists, it's the deep state, it's this. Now, you may want to hate the globalists and the deep state, but if they are synonymous with the UN and NATO, then guess what? You're now hating the country and hoping that the country fails. No, no, Rich, that's not fair. You don't understand. No, I do understand. I do. Again, I make this example often. If you're something wrong with your wife, something wrong with your kid, what do you do? Kill them and get another one? No, you don't do that. You don't bring down something that you love. You fix it. You fight like hell to protect it. But the head of Russia's space agency is accusing Ukraine and the United States of producing biological weapons, claiming that they're aimed at Russians in the name of a genocide of their nation. The head said this, Quote, I assume I assume the evidence obtained by our military biologists in the U.S. biolaboratories located in Ukraine or the U.S. funded and directed Ukrainian biolaboratories, which is the same thing, will confirm that our data that the United States in the immediate vicinity of Russia creating these weapons with the convenience and direct support of Kiev authorities. We're developing an ethnic weapon of genocide against the Russian nation. Isn't that it? They're going to kill. So the Ukrainians are working with the United States to kill ethnic Russians. How are they being killed? Because what I'm hearing now is that they're getting shot in the testicles. And there's some videos out there that are not, in my opinion, incredibly believable. But even if you wanted to believe that and say it was, wouldn't it be best said you won't get shot in the testicles? If you don't come to Russia and you don't take over our country, I mean, it sounds fair to me, but that's where they are. And he goes on, this guy, talking about the authorities developing ethnic weapon of genocide against Russian nation. His name, Roskomos, Chief Dmitry Rogozin. And this is, uh, he wrote in a post in Telegram on Monday, translated by URA.RU, a Russian media company. Rogozin alleges that the research is aimed at striking the reproduction function and immune system of a particular nationality. And he reportedly fears that Ukraine labs are destroying evidence of the research. Well, it's funny. He's been there with tanks and everything else. Why hasn't he taken these things over and said, hey, look, look at what we're doing. Look what we got. We, we, we got it right here. We invaded for this and we got our stuff. He's not saying anything like that. They just want to keep blowing smoke so you'll think there's fire. This is what Russians always do. Rogozin is regarded as uh, Russia's Elon Musk, and he's had his own allegations that have been refuted very frequently worldwide. Now, again, just be, I mean, they refuted Trump very frequently and worldwide doesn't mean Trump was wrong. Trump was absolutely right. And that's why he's got this lawsuit that we just talked about. But the World Health Organization has told Ukraine to destroy 
any pathogens that might be dangerous that are being studied in their labs before uh, the war actually even happened, fearing that Russia would attack them and then design them even further for, for more mortality and release them. Also, scientists have argued that ethnoengineering of bioweapons is not even possible. This claim belongs purely in the realm of science fiction. I don't know. I mean, we know that there are certain things that affect blacks and Hispanics differently than other people. So to say that it, it, it's outside of the realm of possibility, I, I would say, I don't know if I buy that, but this is the back and forth that they've got going on. He continued, modern DNA testing can be at best something that will tell you if your ancestry is likely to come from a specific region of the world like Europe, Sub-Saharan Africa, but not specific countries. You can't tell what country someone is from just by their DNA, let alone their actual ethnicity. So that's the um, microbiologist and the uh, founder of this company going at it over these disagreements. Then you got from the weekend, March 19th, Saturday, a Russian microbiologist is rejecting claims that the Russian Defense Ministry is making of biological weapons labs in Ukraine, arguing that the propaganda campaign is stretching the definition of pathogens by preying on the lack of understanding of this particular research, saying, quote, the calculation is simply that people do not read in either Ukrainian or Latin and do not know the names of pathogens. That's a uh, Yevgeny Letvitin, PhD. He told this to Sabir and this is according to a Google translation from Current Time TV, saying that's how propaganda works. The Ministry of Defense makes false, unfounded statement. And now if I talk to people, 90% of them will say bioweapons were made in Ukraine. No, he says. He's read the attached documents, and those who've read it will say, yes, maybe there are no dangerous pathogens, but they don't want to tell us where they actually are. Maybe... There were dangerous strains in other documents and they can't be published openly. This is the kind of reaction that people are getting. He says, all of this is propaganda and it's pure distilled lies without any basis. So he said, she said, and you could read this, I'll tweet this stuff out. I don't know where to be on this other than I haven't heard of a single Ukrainian or a single Russian dropping dead from these labs that we know from a quick Google search have existed for at least 16 years in their current place. So again, does that mean that they're absolved from doing bad things? No. Does that mean that, as my brother calls him, what does he say? He says, the great Zelensky. He makes these false equivalencies saying, like, if you don't like Putin, then that means you automatically love Zelensky. And I, I would say, no, I don't like either of them. But that, that's pretty simple. You don't have to like me or my neighbor. But if my neighbor's hopping the fence and jumping into my yard, he's the one that's the invader, not me. And that's pretty simple, right? Punto y final. Anyway, I want to bring in the um, doctor from the FDA, Professor Peter Pitts. He's a former commissioner of the U.S. FDA Associate Commissioner, and he's going to join us right after the break. So don't move a muscle. Keep it locked right there. I am Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. Woodhouse Nissan offers a variety of SUVs and crossovers to fit your lifestyle. Whether you're looking for an SUV with high towing capability or a crossover with all-wheel drive, you can expect a variety of safety features, plenty of seating, ample cargo space, and innovative design to tackle virtually any adventure. 
Explore the Nissan lineup of SUVs and crossovers featuring Rogue, Rogue Sport, Kicks, Murano, Pathfinder, and Armada. Visit one of our two Nissan locations or shop online at woodhouse.com. The 45th President Donald Trump thinks it's an honor to speak with Rich Valdez. Oh, very good. Mr. Call Screener. Yeah. Oh, it's an honor. Thanks, Rich. The honor is all yours. Conservative talk with a dash of sofrito. Now, here's Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media, at Rich Valdez with an S. And uh, right now we have a special guest because there's a whole lot of talk about what's going on in Shanghai. Apparently they're about to go back into lockdown. And uh, I'm not making that up. That's actually um, headlines that are circulating. And I just saw a video of somebody taking a, you know, a pedestrian video in a supermarket and people were fighting. They were fighting over produce. They were fighting over groceries because panic buying is, is you know, in full effect. And people are actually, you know, breaking out into fisticuffs, which I thought, wow, I haven't seen that since the beginning of this blessed pandemic. So I figured let's get a uh, expert on the line to tell us what's going on in Shanghai. Uh, we've got Peter Pitts. He's the president and co-founder of the Center for Medicine in the Public Interest. Uh, he's also a former associate uh, commissioner of the uh, United States FDA, the Food and Drug Administration. It's an honor to have him on the show. So uh, help me welcome Peter Pitts. Peter, welcome to the program, sir. Hello. So tell us what's going on in Shanghai. Well, Shanghai has had a uh, uptick in new COVID cases. And rather than recognizing that COVID is moving from a pandemic to an endemic, uh, the Chinese government decided to lock Shanghai down. Uh, that's about 25 million people who are going to be told to stay home. It's outrageous. And it, it points to a number of different things, not the least of which is the Sinovac vaccine, which is the domestic uh, Beijing COVID-19 vaccine, is not very effective. So it speaks to both policy and process, uh, bad policy uh, resulting from poor process. So tell us a little bit about this. because I saw a quote where you mentioned that uh, vaccine nationalism shouldn't be the goal. Tell us more about that. Well, you know, the government in Beijing said, you know, the Chinese vaccine is just as safe and just as effective as any of the uh, vaccines developed in the West. Uh, they were not transparent about how the vaccines were developed. They weren't transparent about any of the data that went into their decisions. And um, they weren't telling the truth. The result is, in the real world, their vaccine is not uh, as effective. And the result is they're having more infections. And uh, that's not good. You know, when you don't tell people the truth, when you don't allow signs to drive the process, this is what happens. Yeah, so I'm looking at this now. You've got 26 million people in uh, Shanghai on the eastern coast of China. And this is a very busy place. Obviously, it's a, it's a, it's a hub for lots of things in, in our markets, global markets. Uh, how is this going to look with their attempt to now test all of these individuals and I guess um, vaccinate the ones that are not vaccinated and offer boosters to the rest. It, does this seem like a task that is doable? Well, I guess if you throw enough time and money and effort against something, you can at least try. The concept is, is a zero COVID policy even the right policy to pursue? And I think that it's not. You know, in the United States, you know, with the Omicron variant, both of them, uh, the symptoms for COVID are very mild. They pass very quickly. So trying to restrict the virus from spreading as your main goal and spending a lot of money on tests and shutting down the, the city uh, seems like uh, the wrong policy. 
In the U.S., the policy that we're taking is uh, get vaccinated. It's very important. Get a booster. And if you get infected, stay home for the couple of days that is required. When you test negative, go back and uh, go back to normal activities. Uh, just like the annual flu comes around, COVID is going to come around on a regular basis. Uh, that's what an endemic means. And we have to learn to live with it. Yeah, we don't shut down our economy and keep kids home from school when the annual flu comes around. And the annual flu symptoms are much more severe than the current COVID string. So what's wrong with this picture? And I think the Chinese simply haven't learned from the global experience. They're not listening. And you know, we really need to uh, uh, you know, approach COVID strategies from a global public health perspective. And the Chinese are just going way off in their own direction. Yeah. Now, you know, a few years ago, uh, along those lines, I remember people always telling me, you know, following SARS and even into recent years, people saying, you ever notice how people are always wearing masks in China? And I would say, well, I know not everybody's wearing masks in China, but there were a lot of people just generally wearing masks in China. And and they would tell me they must know something we don't know. <laughs> and, and, and trying to paint the picture that they were prepared for this upcoming COVID-19 pandemic in 2018 and 2019 into 2020 when it hit in the United States. And my thinking on that was, well, I think there's a number of people that are always prepared for the worst. And and also they don't have the best air quality in China. So is is this one of those scenarios where is China? Should we be looking at them saying, well, they must see something coming or they're, you know, not pursuing it the right way? Because if you look at the United States, we're back to business, we're back to school. People are going back into the workplace and infection rates are down. Or is it a both and scenario? Well, you know, when it comes to masks, you know, people in Asia, not just China, have been wearing masks for decades. Uh, when you get sick, you wear a mask uh, so you don't transmit it to others. When the flu season comes around, you wear a mask so you help to contain it and keep it away from others. You know, it's, it's been common practice and it's smart. You know, masks do help reduce the, the spread of disease. I know that's a big political issue here in the U.S., but it, it's a fact. Uh, but when you don't really need to wear a mask, what, I mean, we don't wear masks, you know, uh, in the United States nationally when we get a cold, you know, I mean, in Asia, they do. That's been standard practice. But I, I don't think that, you know, trying to eliminate COVID, have a COVID zero policy is following the science. It makes no sense to me. I'm confused as to why the Chinese government would even consider such a thing. Obviously, you know, it's a uh, totalitarian regime. They think about totalitarian responses. You know, here in the U.S., we think about responses that we can do, you know, as a nation, as a team, as, e- as a team of equals. And it's a different approach to uh, epidemiology. I don't think the Chinese are going to succeed. And I think ultimately we're going to look at China and say we're lucky here in the U.S. that we decided that we're all responsible enough here to do the right thing collectively. And it doesn't mean stay home through another COVID lockdown. All right. We're on with Peter Pitts, former FDA associate commissioner. And I agree in many ways with what you're saying. I just think that we've never really masked up for the flu or for the common cold in the United States. And like you said, it's a more democratic approach. If you want to, nobody's stopping anybody from doing that. I guess it's a custom that may not have taken on. And it's, I just find it interesting how people used to really kind of hold up the Chinese saying, oh my gosh, they, they're really clairvoyant here. And, and now I think we've seen that there's a lot of studies that show when there's this um, spread of the initial COVID that we had, it wasn't really contained much by the type of masks that people were wearing. So I think there's a lot of uh, skepticism around that. I mean, this is why I think people go to hospitals and they put masks on. It also speaks to you know, mandates versus recommendations. You know, I mm. mean, in China, everything's mandated. You do what the government says or you go to a labor camp. You know, in the U.S., you make recommendations based on the facts and people make their own choices. 
Right. <laughs> Excellent point. So now they're talking about shutting down or locking down Beijing in two phases, this initial phase from uh, Monday to Friday of this week, I guess, um, where they're going to do the eastern part of the city and then move into the second phase, which will apply to the western part of the city. And uh, again, I know that you're, you, you've reiterated, and I agree with you, this idea of a zero COVID policy is um, kind of like a fool's errand because it's going to reoccur every year. But do you think that this is the most effective way to, to do it, to lock down the city and to do it in two phases? I don't. It, it, it's a complete waste of time. It, it's a herding cat strategy. You, it, it can't be done. And even if it could be done, you have to ask yourself, why are they even trying? You know, if you get COVID, uh, it's not like it was two years ago in the teeth of the pandemic. You're not going to die. You're not going to suffer from serious manifestations. And that's why that the therapeutics that we have here in the U.S. and the vaccines we have here in the U.S. are so effective. What the Chinese government should be focusing on is making sure that its treatments for COVID are up to snuff, because at present time they're not. And the Chinese government, quite frankly, is embarrassed to admit that. Yeah. Say no to totalitarianism. I agree. In the time that we have remaining, I'd like you, uh, Peter Pitts, please to tell us a little bit about the Center for Medicine and the Public Interest. Oh, thanks. So the Center for Medicine and the Public Interest, the CMPI.org, not-for-profit think tank. We focus on public health issues uh, here in the U.S. and around the world. From a a regulatory perspective, it sounds a little geeky and nerdy, but Mm -hmm. certainly in the time of COVID-19, I think we've risen to the top of the public's agenda. And we have a new book out called The Next Normal, which is available on Amazon, which really talks about the lessons that we've learned from COVID-19 and how we can apply it to things other than COVID-19, in addition to preparing for the next pandemic, which is definitely going to come at some point. Is there a website or a social media handle you'd like to share with the audience? Sure. Again, the website is cmpi.org, and we'd invite your listeners to join us, join the conversation. Uh, look for us on uh, on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn, all at uh, CMPI, or I'm, I'm at Peter Pitts on Twitter, and uh, looking forward to all the uh, thoughts and comments from your listeners. Excellent. All right. Well, Professor Peter Pitts, thank you for being with us on This Is America. We appreciate it, and we'll check back with you guys soon enough. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me on. You got it. More to come straight ahead. I am Rich Valdez. This is America. This is America. This is America. He's making podcasting great again. This is America with Rich Valdez. All right, everybody, welcome back. Only a couple of minutes to go, but there's so many headlines that I want to discuss. So much crazy stuff out there. I'm looking at one here. It says AOC making 174K a year. And of course, that's AOC all out crazy. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, our least favorite congresswoman from the Bronx and Queens. She says she's got 17000 in unpaid student loan debt, and it's up to the American people to pay for it. Now, listen, this is one of those things where a lot of people are going to jump on board with this because nobody likes having debt. And most people want to do it the right way where, you know, I wouldn't have taken the loan if I didn't think I could pay for it. But I don't think that's going to be the case. I think they are actually going to win on this eventually because people like to pay their bills. And when they can't, they want them removed. And I think we're going to see that happen. But also... Uh, there's a lot of other headlines here. There's another headline here. Where did it go? Let me see if I find it real fast because it was interesting. I thought it was interesting. Um, Tesla is splitting its stock, and I want to get into some Elon Musk stuff in a minute. But here's a good one. Daily Wire CEO, co-CEO, launches Jeremy's Razors to compete with woke companies. 
Now, I think that's a good one because there's a few razor companies out there. And I think, you know what? The more competition, the better. Usually improves the product and people uh, get into that type of thing. Now, uh, Deputy White House Press Secretary has tested positive for COVID, as has Elon Musk. Now, Elon Musk, uh, he's got COVID. He says he has no symptoms and he's pausing production in Shanghai. And obviously, because they're about to shut Shanghai down, we just learned that's in the Wall Street Journal. But he also says he's considering building a brand new social media platform that will compete with, uh, you know, all of the, the big the big ones, mainly Twitter. And listen to this one. Elon Musk said he's giving serious thought to creating a social media platform that would compete with Twitter, saying that the latter has been stifling free speech. Quote, free speech is essential to any functioning democracy. Do you believe that Twitter rigorously adheres to this principle? Musk asked in a tweet earlier. Of course not. And he said that last week. So this is where he's at. Now, in the same thread, a Twitter user asked the Tesla CEO about possibly building a new social media platform that would boast an open source algorithm. The user proposed a new platform would be one where free speech and adhering to free speech is given the top priority. I don't know what he's going to do. I know when he does things, they work out pretty well. They have Internet right now in Ukraine because of the satellite Internet, internet that he's providing. I think that's awesome. I think all, a lot of what he does is awesome. Good for him. He's a real product of the American dream. Uh, what I will say is I don't know that we need another social media network. I mean, when I post, I have to cross post to Truth, to Getter, to uh, Facebook and Twitter. I'm still there. Yes, crucify me. Forgive me. I'm still there. Um, because how else do you get your message out, especially when you're suppressed in many ways if you have a conservative message? So it's a rather difficult thing to kind of surpass. And I don't think that's the only reason that they suppress people. I think they just suppress people uh, generally for a lot of different reasons, but that being uh, amongst the top of them. If we, don't, if we disagree with whatever you're saying, whatever you believe, or whoever your target audience is, we'll just uh, kind of let you get a little less action there. And that's what it means to be held back. And that's why I always say we got to stand for something because if we stand for nothing, we'll fall for anything. That's Hamilton. And the only thing necessary for evil to triumph is for good people like you to sit there and do nothing. So make sure you do something. You stand up. You, you grow the backbone that you've always known you had. And I don't mean you because most of the listeners of this show, you guys are the ones that are out there in the rallies, out there in the caravans with the cars honking the, the horns, waving the signs, wrapped in a flag. But there's people that are listening that are new to the program, and I want to welcome you. And thank you for dropping that five-star review on Apple and a five-star review on iHeartRadio or wherever it is and sharing this on whatever social media or texting your friends with a link. However it is that you share the show, thank you for doing that. I appreciate it. I read every last review on those websites, and uh, I do appreciate your comments on social media at Rich Valdez, at Rich Valdez with an S. But we have to stand for this stuff because otherwise we're screwed. America needs you more right now than she's ever needed you. And, and new projects are coming about. I'll close with this. Uh, we talked briefly the other day about this Americano Media, right? It's, it's a company that launched a Sirius XM channel, a conservative talk radio channel on Sirius XM, all in Spanish. I found it fascinating because there's a market for that. And somebody's saying, you know what? If, if there's a niche, I'm going to scratch it. That's the type of approach we need to take. Make sure that we're giving people the tools that they need in order to succeed. Hasta la próxima. Until the next time, I am Rich Valdez, and this is America. This is America. 
times like these, it's so important that we focus on the facts. I always tell you to focus on the facts. I think you hear that everywhere you go, and that's because facts are irrefutable. It's the bottom line. It's the real deal. And in times like this of uncertainty, we need to rely on the facts. I get my facts from JustFacts.com. That's F-A-C-T-S, JustFacts.com. Go to JustFacts.com and sign up for their newsletter. JustFacts.com forward slash rich. Just put my name in there and you'll get it for free. JustFacts.com slash rich.